0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: Good morning, you're listening to Pressing Matters, the show where we go behind the headlines and explore issues driving the press. I'm Shazana Mukhtar. Last week's Court of Appeal decision on the SRC international trial involving former Prime Minister Dato Sri Najib Razak was the talk of the town. Just to recap, the court upheld Najib Razak's guilty verdict on seven charges of misappropriating 42 million ringgit related to the 1MDB financial scandal. Joining me on the show today is journalist Hadi Azmi, who will help us untangle the naughty issues of the trial. Good morning, Hadi. Thanks so much for joining me today.
0: Good hey, morning, Chaz.
1: So, the understanding of 1MDB for many people, including myself, is as this monolithic financial scandal involving 4.5 billion US dollars taken from Malaysian government coffers. But the various trials that are taking place, they cover bits and pieces from this big picture sum. So, it can be quite confusing. Maybe you can help break it down for us. How is the SRC International case linked to 1MDB?
0: So, what everybody calls uh, 1MDB uh, scandal is actually five separate court cases involving the Sri Najib. The one that we are talking about right now is, is the SRC International one. So SRC International is a subsidiary of 1MDB. It involved RM42 ringgit of a pension fund from co And this one has been tried at the KL High Court. They have come to a verdict that they yeah, are the one that you mentioned just now. So he is found guilty of all seven charges. And aside from that, uh, Najib is being tried for the actual 1MDB trial itself, uh, which we call the Tano case. So this one involves 2.3 billion uh, ringgit of uh, 1MDB funds. Uh, and aside from that one, there's also three other cases. So they altogether there are five separate cases. So the three remaining ones, uh, one involving 6.64 billion ringgit of government funds. This one is uh the Toshianji is being charged with uh former MOF KSU, Datuk uh, Seri Irwan Serega. And also, there's a one involving the 1MDB audit tempering case. Uh, this one is, is being charged alongside uh, Arul Kanda, the 1MDB CEO. Three of these cases uh, are already in court. They are being tried. Uh, and two others are being postponed to make way for, for these three to, to be finished first for, before they can start.
1: Okay, that's a lot of different cases. And if I yeah. understand you, the SRC International case involves a subsidiary of 1MDB. And in this particular case, it involves funds that are taken from the uh, government pension uh, fund, which is QAP. Yes, so before we dive into the specifics of this particular SRC International case, I wanted to ask about what it's like to cover criminal trials during this pandemic. If you can walk us through what the process is like. Are reporters allowed into the courtroom? How do you cover proceedings?
0: Yeah, okay. So what's different about covering court during the pandemic is uh, excess of course, Because first and foremost, all court cases in Malaysia are public. You can go to court, you can attend any any hearing. It's, uh, it's called an open court. So, on MDB cases, previously, you can just like go, go to the courthouse, register yourself and you can get a pass to go in and uh, see the proceeding. Anyone can do that. Uh, but given the pandemic, uh, the court is restricting access to the courtroom itself. So, the courtroom, previously, I, I usually I like to follow hearing by being in the courtroom uh, physically because... There's so much that you get to see uh, the subtle nuances, uh, how people react when something is being revealed, mm. um, facial reactions, those small small bits that tells uh, some, some kind of story. Uh, but because of the pandemic, the people allowed in the courtroom are uh, the people directly involved itself. So you they only allow the judge, the court secretaries, the, the prosecutors, and the defense, and of course the accused to be in the courtroom. Everyone else uh, for the press, we have a, a separate room um, to the side. We call it the video link room where we watch the proceeding over over video uh, video conference. Mm. So
1: it's not quite uh, the same there.
0: It's not quite the same because uh, one thing is you you just watching a video and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a annoyance. <laughs> you go all the way to the court house to see a video. Might as well you know watch a video from home or something. But, you know, they don't allow that. So, you have to be, still physically be there to watch the video. It's still, it's still limited to a small number of press. So, <laughs> there are people who are regular court reporters who, who do this every day. They go to court every day. So, they always uh, get the the spot first. <laughs> so, people like me who don't always go to court. So, we have to take turns. So,
1: I see. Yeah, yes. Um, Let's talk about the trial process then this particular case the high court decision was delivered in july 2020 so the court of appeal uh, trial that was taking place is um reviewing that original ruling which found najit razak guilty on seven charges what is the process of this appeals trial was it the high court trial held all over again as in witness testimonies were heard all over again or what was that what was that like
0: yeah so uh after being found guilty at the High Court, Najib, uh, he filed a petition on in October 2020 and the appeal was heard uh, starting on April 5th this year. So It's, it's not it's not a, a retrial altogether. Uh, what you mentioned just now, it, it seems like a retrial where, where you start all over again. But no, this one is basically based on what the High Court judge uh, ruled. Uh, you as the accused would appeal to the court saying that, okay, we have... Issues with the judges' uh, ruling. This point, this point, this point, this points when point, we, and then you you uh, argue why why you think that those points are uh, not correct. So I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, Najib filed a petition, uh containing 307 grounds as to why <laughs> he thinks that okay. the the high court judge uh, uh made error in his uh, judgment. So uh, the whole proceeding was uh, about. All that points that he raised.
1: I see. Okay, so no and new testimonies.
0: No new no testimonies. Basically, they they, they argue on on the points that have, that are already delivered.
1: Was there anything different about Najib Razak's defense in this appeal con- in contrast from the High Court?
0: Interestingly, is uh, at the start of the trial itself, uh, Najib's team decided to go against the High Court Judge uh, Yang Arik Nazlan. They they were saying that he is not. The right person to, to hear the trial of the century, they call. Uh-huh. Uh, they, they are saying that he is uh, not up to the caliber. They are saying that previous high profile cases are heard by uh, federal court judges who are brought down to the high court. And they're saying that uh, Arif Nazlan has never handled a case as big as this before. So his, his judgment is, is not correct. And he did things that uh, a more senior, more experienced judge wouldn't do. So, it's a bit rare for somebody to hmm. go out against a judge like that. Uh, and in fact, they got, they got reprimanded by, by the Court of Appeal judges mm-hmm. uh, because uh, Shafi'i Abdullah uh, Najib lawyer, said that uh, Yang Arif Nazan had poisoned his ground of judgment uh, by you know, um, saying certain things in his, in his uh, ruling so that was not appreciated by the Court of Appeal, that kind of language against a fellow judge.
1: Right. What were they expecting to gain from that ground of argument? I suppose, was it, to, was it in essence to ask for a retrial with a different judge?
0: Yeah, there is a feeling that uh, Najib Scam would, would have preferred <laughs> a different judge, a retrial. Uh, in fact... Days leading up to the verdict, the verdict was uh, was read out on the 8th of, of December. So just one week before, um, Tan Sri Shafi'i uh, issued a press conference um, saying that they are tendering new evidence to the to the court of appeal, saying that they discovered new evidence and therefore the verdict cannot come out just yet because court need to hear this new evidence. Uh, so on the seventh, the day before the verdict, uh, the court of appeal actually sat to review this uh, new evidence and they decided to, you know, strike it out. Uh, it was not relevant to, to the case.
1: Why didn't the court accept the new evidence?
0: Uh, well, they say that it's uh, the material that was brought forth, uh, does not affect their ruling. What was brought forward by Najib is uh saying that he was uh suggesting that former Bank Negara Governor, Zeti Atta Aziz, and her husband and family is somehow uh, involved with JOLO and therefore, you know, uh, could have conspired uh, against him uh, in, in getting the money into, into his account and all that. So, yeah, the court uh, heard the whole argument for whole day and decided that you know, it's not something relevant to, to the case, so they it was it was struck out.
1: Mm. I'm speaking to journalist Hadi Azmi on the SRC International trial involving former Prime Minister Datuk Sri Najib Razak. In just a moment, we discuss what happened on the day of judgment. Stay tuned. BFM eighty nine point nine. Thanks for staying tuned to Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. I'm Shazana, and today I'm joined by journalist Hadi Azmi. We're going over developments of the SRC International trial involving former Prime Minister Datuk Najib Raza. This is one of five court cases related to the 1MDB scandal. Let's talk about the judgment then. Uh, The Court of Appeal delivered their judgment last Wednesday, as you said. Uh, The final judgment clocking in at some 300 pages. Was this uh, 300-page judgment read out in its entirety that day?
0: Okay, one thing about about this case is that it's also a bit strange because the initial case, the uh, SRC case was heard over 57 days and the judge came out with a 300-page verdict. So this one was heard over 15 days and the judges came out with equally a 300-page verdict. So it is quite lengthy, of course, it's quite thorough. Mm -hmm. But the judge took six months to come to the verdict. Normally, uh, in court of appeal, the verdict would come on the day itself or the day after. Uh, but this one, the judges took 205 days wow. to, to, come to, the, <laughs> to come to their decision. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is quite strange. But yeah, the verdict was very thorough and the judge only read a summary, so not the entire 300 pages. When he started reading it, um, we were all in the courtroom.
1: I understand I did, the defendant wasn't in the courtroom.
0: Uh, well, that's an interesting thing that also happened. Unfortunate thing, Sorry. On, on the night of the 6th of December, uh, Tansiri Shafi Abdullah issued a letter to the High Court. It was quite late. It was, I think, about 11 p.m. Asking for the 7th and the 8th date to be vacated. This was because uh, his son, Farhan Shafi'i, who is also one of the lawyers for Najib, contracted uh, COVID-19 and therefore the whole defence team were exposed and are close contacts. So they are asking for the the dates to be vacated. Uh, unfortunately, the judge didn't agree with them. The judge said that uh, this must go on. They allowed this this the defense team to appear over video conference. That includes Najib himself because he is also he was also present at the lawyer's office. So all of them on the day of the verdict, they were they appeared over over Zoom. Even even Farhan himself who got COVID, uh, he was uh, there over his and he was quite visibly uh, not well. So, but kudos to him for appearing regardless.
1: Was that an unusual decision by the court given that we've seen in other court cases um, where the defence lawyer was incapacitated in some way or the defendant was incapacitated in some way and I'm thinking of Zaid Habidi's uh, cases actually. The court did uh, grant a delay. They postponed the, the dates.
0: Yeah, I think Zahid's lawyer got gout only. Uh, so, he, the court postponed the hearing for that. But I think it's because it was the verdict. I think at this point...
1: Nothing will change the verdict, essentially. <laughs> Not,
0: nothing will change the verdict. Nothing would delay the, the verdict. Because, you know, uh, as I said earlier, the court took six months to come to the verdict. So uh, they've waited long enough. And I think at this point, we, have, we found ways to to overcome uh, COVID. You know? So if everybody uh, close contacts so the court can do it over uh, video conference. So... That has been established, so it is not really a hindrance for for the court to to continue.
1: And there's a lot to unpack from the judgment, uh, both from what was read out and also from the 300 pages. What would be your main highlights from the decision? What do you think stood out for you?
0: For us at the courthouse that day, it was from the first, I think, first five minutes of the judge reading his verdict, we could already sense that it's not going well for George Najib. You can hear it from the tone of the judge and from the words that he used, from the phrases that he used. The most striking thing actually is by how much does the Court of Appeal agree with um, the High Court judge. The the Court of Appeal judges, three of them 100% agree with everything that was ruled by the High Court judge. Basically, it demolished whatever and Shafi was arguing against uh, yeah, Arif Azlan, saying that he is uh, inexperienced, incapable and all that. The, the line that, that we, we hear over and over again is like, we have no reason to disagree with the uh, trial judge. We have no reason to disagree with the trial judge. Uh, that was the recurring uh, word that we heard from, from, the, from the judgment. But of course, uh, the word that was uh, heard all around the world was uh, that Atok Najib is a national embarrassment. They won't, they won't actually came out quite early on and it was, you would, you would expect such a, such a, you know, strongly worded uh, phrase to come out towards the end, you know, mm. as the, as the mic drop for the whole, <laughs> for the whole verdict, right? But no, that one actually was, was early on. It was in the middle of, of the ruling and the judge just, you know, read through it and as if it was nothing. When, when we heard it, we were like, we were in the courtroom, we were like looking at the other, it was like, did you hear that? Did he <laughs> say something about national embarrassment? So we were like, checking with each other. Kind right. of like, it was that word that, that captures the whole verdict, I suppose. I think everybody right now already know that that was what the judge said, that Najib Razak is a natural embarrassment.
1: And and this term was is something that Najib Razak's um, team is trying to get expunged from the record. Is that right?
0: Yeah, they were really <laughs> annoyed by it. Uh, in the press conference immediately after the hearing, uh, Tan Sri Jaffee said that that phrase was unnecessary and it was it defamed his client. So they want to, to get it out from, from the verdict. Najib himself was really annoyed <laughs> by, by that <laughs> phrase. He even mentioned it in, in his... Because he was also in the press conference. So he was talking about, you know, you're calling me a national embarrassment. And then he was saying, what about Tun Mahathir's Forex scandal? That's a bigger national embarrassment. So <laughs> it became like a... You know, like uh, you call me national, I'm not national embarrassment. You are national embarrassment. So it's got it got a bit a bit weird there.
1: Now you've written about this case for the international press. Uh, what are the reactions that you've gathered from global audiences? How how are they seeing these developments in Malaysia? Are they even paying attention?
0: Oh yeah, uh, the the global audience is still very much uh, in tune with One uh, mdb To them, the the biggest question is why is uh, Datuk Najib even still uh, going around freely? Why is he not yet in jail? After he has been condemned by by two courts already now. From from the sense I got from from writing for international audience is that Najib Razak's reputation in the global eye is uh, totally gone. He is always going to be link with 1MDB whenever people write about Najib Razak they will always append it with the 1MDB scandal so i think that's why i think it's, we can see that that Najib now is uh more framing himself as a as a local hero as a champion of of the of the masses i guess when when the world don't want to hear about you anymore you stick with the people that want to hear about you.
1: Yeah, and let's talk about the people that do want to hear from Najib. I mean, there is a sizable segment of the population that still supports him. What do you think accounts for this following, based on your observations or conversations you've had? I mean, do his followers believe that these charges are false or are they simply willing to forgive his transgressions?
0: Uh, It's a bit of both. I think there are some part of uh, his supporters that believe he did it but they say that it was uh, you know it's just normal part of you are tempted by all this thing you know everybody would be tempted who wouldn't be tempted by billions of ringgit Uh, but whatever he did for the country is uh, much greater than than the crime that he did so let's just move on but there are also those who 100% believe that all this is uh, just a scandal I actually took the time to listen to his supporters. Um, you know, they do a, a lot of live video on Facebook, you know, talking about the case. So I just, you know, I just want to understand um, these people. So <laughs> I sat through some of it and the arguments they were putting forth is basically, yeah, uh, it's a conspiracy against the by people who are jealous of his accomplishment, who are jealous of the great things that he did. Mm. Uh, so they are all doing a, conspiracy to, you know, to to take him down.
1: I see. So that narrative is out there um, within the community of his supporters. Yeah, it is
0: out there. The one thing that I noticed was that he appears to be as popular as ever now. But looking at the verdict, I was expecting more of his fans to descend the courthouse. But there were only like a dozen people, the one that, that everybody saw on the video, all the On the (laughs) maksiks who were sitting outside of the courthouse. So this was much less than what the amount of people that was there when he was first uh, found guilty in the KL High Court. I'm not sure whether that translates to, you know, less support to him or just because that they didn't mobilize enough people to to go down. But, you know, it's, it's worth noting.
1: Work. Curious, curious indeed. So we know the case isn't over yet because Najib Raza is filing an appeal to the federal court. What should we expect to happen next? Do you have an idea of the timeline when the case will be heard?
0: He already filed uh, the appeal papers to the federal court uh, the day after. So right now, uh, from what I, I gathered from court half people, it would take about three months for the papers to be processed. Then after that, they would for uh, case management, they would you know, talk about the papers and all that. Then it would be probably another six months before the hearing starts. So we're looking at probably third quarter of next year before, mm. okay. before the hearing actually starts. So it's going to be a while.
1: And what about all his other trials? What else is currently ongoing? I mean, what's, what's coming up in the next couple months or weeks?
0: Yeah, uh, right now... His 1MDB trial is still ongoing. So, that is, as per usual, is being heard at the KL High Court. Uh, that one is still going to be pretty lengthy. Mm. got about 50-something witnesses to call. They only call a few dozen right now. Um, but that one will be interesting to look at because um, the prosecution would Definitely call uh, Tan Sri Zeti, uh, former Bank Negara governor, to sit as a witness. So, uh, and Tan Shafi already mentioned that he was looking forward to that day uh, where he wants to cross-examine Tan Sri Zeti and her alleged involvement with Jolo. So, uh, for us, it will be a fun day to <laughs> hear what actually goes on in that in that corner of the scandal. Mm.
1: All right. So that's something to look for. We'll have you back on Hadi when that day comes. Thank you so (laughs) much. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you. I've been speaking to journalist Hadi Azmi on pressing matters. Stay tuned for the 10 a.m. News Bulletin coming up next. BFM 89.9.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes.